We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Wow, what a day it was in the NBA. We had the big Damian Lillard trade. We'll chat a little bit about that, what that means for the Los Angeles Lakers, what it can mean moving forward, as well as, of course, you know, what the deal was and everything. Those of you who didn't already check out the video over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, breaking down the Drew Holiday situation. Can the Lakers get in on that? Daniel Starkand, editor extraordinaire, and I talked a little bit about that already, but for podcast listeners, we'll get into that. And today's show, we're going to talk about training camp battles, the biggest battles of Lakers training camp. Who's going to be competing for roles for minutes and who we think is going to come out ahead. We'll have some uh, Lakers nation staffers, I believe hopping in here in just a bit to join the show. And we'll talk all about the camp battles. Really excited for that. As we're recording this, this is Wednesday night tomorrow. We've got a big day too, because we've got the presser for Rob Palenka and Darvin Ham. They're not going to talk on media day on Monday. That's going to be the players. So instead, we're going to have the press conference for Darvin Ham and Rob Palenka tomorrow. So I'm really curious to see what they have to say as well. Daniel Starkan will be on site for us getting all of the latest. So we've got that coming up as well. A lot going on right now as we get ready. As of right now, 10 days away, podcast listeners, you're going to be nine days away if you're listening to this on Thursday. We're almost there. That's how far we are till a Lakers preseason game. Not training camp starting up. The Lakers actually being on the floor and playing a basketball game. I am extremely excited. Let's go. The NBA, it's coming back in a big, big way. This Damian Lillard trade, boy, this is, this is just the appetizer, right? This is just getting us a little extra fired up, getting ready for the ball to be live and for the Lakers basketball to be back and in action. All right, let's talk a little bit about this trade before we get into the training camp battles. Let's talk about this trade uh, first and foremost. So we've got Damian Lillard going to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. This was a shock. Could not believe it when this came through. I've been waiting 
for days now. In fact, Keith Smith and I have been talking about this on the front office show. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this Lillard trade to go down. In fact, a couple days ago, we started saying it's getting strangely quiet. Like we're not hearing much. That usually means teams are hunkering down and getting ready to get a deal done. So we were on pins and needles. I'm jumping every time my phone notifications go off thinking, oh, this is it. Nope, wasn't it. Nope, wasn't it. And then when it finally went through, there it was. Lillard to the Bucks. I was expecting Lillard to the Heat. I thought at the end of the day that would happen. Maybe we'd get surprised and it would be Dame to the Raptors. No, that didn't happen. Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks reportedly once they realized the Heat thing just wasn't going to happen. The Blazers were just not interested in what the Heat had to offer. Finally, Lillard and his agent relented and said, you know what? We'll listen on Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Talk to those teams. But right now, that's where we're at. And then the Raptors try to get into it as well. Ultimately, Milwaukee gets the deal done. So the deal looks like this. Drew Holiday uh, going from the Bucks. in addition to draft capital. There's a first-round pick, a couple of pick swaps uh, going out. Damian Lillard going in to the Bucks. Meanwhile, the Phoenix Suns get in on the action. They send out DeAndre Ayton, and they get back a number of players coming in. Yusuf Nurkic coming in from the Blazers. You also get Grayson Allen coming in from the Bucks. They picked up Nasir Little from the Blazers as well. The Blazers, of course, getting DeAndre Ayton, getting Drew Holiday for now, for now, and then they get draft capital as well. That's I think going to be, that's going to be, wow. It's going to be crazy seeing what happens with Drew Holiday now. Because here's the thing. The Blazers, they don't need Drew Holiday. Nor do they necessarily want Drew Holiday at this point. Right? That's not the the phase that they're in. De- DeAndre Ayton's 25 years old. You can say, okay, he could be part of our future. And they're high on him. And that's going to be a big part of the value here for Portland. It's going to be, are they right about DeAndre? And it seems like Portland probably values Aiden a little bit more than some other teams around the NBA do. Maybe uh, certainly more than what fan perception of his value is currently. But the Blazers are getting DeAndre Aiden as a big piece for their future. But what can they do with Drew Holiday? What can they turn him into? Now, from the Lakers' perspective, the Lakers can't get Drew Holiday. I would love it if they could. He would be a fantastic Fantastic fit, but yeah, they just can't do it. The reason for it is because all of these new contracts the Lakers have signed, D'Angelo Russell, right? Uh, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, the extension, right? Austin Reeves, on and on. Gabe Vincent, you can't trade him yet. December 15th at the earliest is when you can trade these guys. Not not even all of them, but that's the earliest. So assuming the Blazers aren't going to bring Drew Holiday into camp, and they're going to move him within the next like week or so here, even less than that maybe, um, the Lakers just aren't an option. Now, if Drew Holiday isn't moved by the Blazers until December 15th, then sure, the Lakers could come in, they could stack up D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura and make that offer. And you can argue whether or not the Lakers should do that. I'm just saying logistically in order to make the math work, it would be something along those lines in order to get something done. So Drew Holiday, though, is out there. No, the Lakers aren't in on it. But this still matters a lot for the Lakers, right? This whole trade matters a lot for the Lakers. It matters a lot for the Lakers because what you don't want to see happen now, right? We can already talk about, did the Suns get better? Did they 
check a box. We knew that this Suns team was going to be very top-heavy. Did they add enough to their depth with Yusuf Nurkic? Did they add with Grayson Allen? I've seen Suns fans are very underwhelmed with this trade, and I don't blame them. DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick in Luka's draft, and this is what you got for him. This is what you got for him, is you got Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, that's not, that's not a great return. It may have made the Suns better in terms of depth this year. I think DeAndre Ayton is significantly better than Yusuf Nurkic, though. And I like Yusuf Nurkic a lot. I like Yusuf Nurkic a lot. Sean Davis, welcome in. Shaking your head. What are you shaking your head at? Are you are you disagreeing with me? Stop, this, you... stop this nonsense. The Suns did not get better. Stop this nonsense. Yeah, I don't know that they got, like, they got deeper. Okay. But did they get deeper? How? Just they got, they, Grayson they, Allen. They, they didn't have Grayson Allen before. They they got so more they, players back in the deal. So they, te- never mind. You're right. Technically, they did get deeper. They got it. more you got, players. And Nasir Little can play a, a little bit too. I you know, I don't know. But <laughs> so you got some stuff back. You uh, got was, you got more depth. But 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 like here's the thing though, Sons. No. Frank Vogel is your head coach. Frank Vogel is the Frank. Frank Vogel is the guy, right? The Poor guy. Frank. When when verticality became a thing, remember Roy Hibbert? Like that's Frank Vogel way back at like ten years ago with the Pacers. Sheesh. And you had DeAndre Ayton. If anybody was going to get Ayton to hit his ceiling to Frank. become the guy that you wanted him to be, it was going to be Frank Vogel. And then you traded Ayton for a much slower center. In use of Nurkic, and I like Nurkic a lot. So I don't know that this works great for the Suns. It does give them a little bit more depth. Maybe Aiden just said, you know what, I don't want to be here, which we know that he probably didn't. So I, I guess you kind of check that box. But I, I tend to think the Suns maybe could have done better had they just waited into the season to move Aiden. But nonetheless, they make the move. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked about it yet, but for i love the deal for milwaukee like you keep Giannis as happy as long as possible and they got a guy in dave who might be kind of underrated because he was in a bad spot in portland last year they're really really bad but they legitimately had one of the most impressive offensive seasons ever and you got a top five offensive player in the nba uh, I'll say top 10 to give myself some real room and not get slander in the comments, but top 10 for sure. Offensive player in the NBA uh, as your starting point guard. Now, sure. Mm-hmm. They lost some defense or whatever, but like you still have Giannis, you still have uh, uh, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. You still have some dudes. It's just the guard defense you're worried about. Uh, Portland. I would have just rather do. I just completely blew it up. Cause now I think they'll be okay. They'll be the worst team in the, in the West though, probably, but like, you get back Aiden, you get back Drew. I mean, you're probably going to trade Drew eventually. They're going to move Drew, like, though. They're going to move Drew. And the picks you got are minuscule. You got one true unprotected first and then two pick mm-hmm. swaps. But if you're worse than Milwaukee, you probably get like that. Those pick swaps are, you know, they, they don't mean nothing. The best thing about this deal, honestly, it gets Dame out of there. And this is finally, this is truly Scoot's team. That's the best thing about that deal for Portland. And then Phoenix, I, uh, I mean, shrug. I don't. I. I think they didn't. I don't think they got worse. But like, I don't get the narrative that the Suns are this. 
they're so much better. Actually, maybe you can say they got worse because DeAndre Aiden, the only the only sliver of hope outside of Frank Vogel that I had that the Suns would be, let's forget a top 12 defense, a top 18 defense, was that DeAndre Aiden, next to Frank Vogel as his head coach, turned into this defensive stopper at the rim, mm-hmm. it, this defensive anchor, um, kind of what we saw. Like, he was legitimately a borderline All-NBA defender that championship year. The year they went to the finals, right? Especially yeah, yeah. in that playoff run. He was great. And then you go from potentially that dude to Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I I or like I like or Nurkic. Break. He's a big, strong, physical center. You could throw him at Jokic. There's no question. I, ironic because Nurkic was selected by the Nuggets right before or before Jokic in that draft, and then it turns out Jokic was a better player. But regardless, um, I I don't dislike Nurkic, but I I'm not looking at the Suns and saying, oh my gosh, they're so much better now. I I think that they they did check the box of adding depth, but I think losing Aiton does does hurt them a bit. Um. The big question, though, for the Lakers, um, it's not just did the Suns get better here. The big question is, where does Drew Holiday go? And this this Lakers nation, this is the key here. This is the key. What you want to see, because it's not going to be to the Lakers. If, if Drew Holiday is traded in the next few days, it's not going to be to the Lakers. So if he's traded, what you want to see is Drew Holiday to the Eastern Conference but not the Celtics. That's that's the way I'm looking. <laughs> Drew Holiday to the East, but not the Celtics. Drew Miami, Miami, Miami. <laughs> you're scrambling. You're scrambling. You know, I've got you know Heat fans saying, "Well, it's going to be okay. We're just going to er- unearth somebody from the G League." Nah, now look, <laughs> Max Struess and Gabe Vincent were both big. I, I mean, both starters at certain points of their season, and you lost both of them. You didn't replace them because you thought you were getting Dame. Then you didn't get Dame. Like the Heat better be scrambling to try to fix this. So if I'm Pat Riley, I'm talking to the, Hey, I know you didn't like what we had to offer for Dame, but the asking price can't be quite as high for drew holiday. What can we get done here? Let's try to make a deal, but there's going to be other teams in on him. The Celtics are a team that's already been named to be in on him. Unfortunately, I think the Clippers could also get in on him. That's what I really don't want to see. You don't want to see drew holiday to the Clippers. We don't want to see. We've already seen it once. Why is that right? sense the, the Clippers? The Blazers had the Blazers had Norm Powell, had Robert Covington. They said, you know what? Clippers, ha- take these guys for free. We don't even want anything for them. Here, just have them. Have these good players. You could take them because you're not the Lakers, and we'll just give them to you, right? It's ridiculous. That's what you don't want to see happen again, is the Clippers walk away with Drew Holiday, who actually I think they need quite a bit because they can use his defensive presence on the perimeter. He's a non-Russ ball handler that you could turn to. I actually like his fit better there. I would be more worried about the Clippers, Drew Holiday, than I'd be worried about the Clippers with James Harden. Let me put it that way. So oh. is yeah. that maybe that's maybe that's not <laughs> no, saying no. A, a lot, but <laughs> but I like Drew Holiday a lot. So what I'm looking for in a Drew Holiday trade now, I want to see him go to Toronto, go to Miami, don't go to Boston, <laughs> but go east. Get go out east. of the West. I'm tired of players coming west. Get out of the West, right? Lillard, we got the right idea. He went East. Drew Holiday, go back East, and let's uh, let's have that Dog. be. That would be the ideal situation for for the Lakers. What you don't want to see is tomorrow, the next day. Lawrence Frank already talked about it today to the LA Times. Said, you know, 
I like our team, but we'll always look at opportunities to, to get better. Well, you know, teams that are talking trade will tend to say things like that. So you don't want to see Drew Holiday to the Clippers. I'm surprised the uh, the Blazers didn't just say, hey, here's Dame. Just give us, you know, Terrence Mann and Russell Westbrook and call it good for Damian <laughs> Lillard. Oh, oh wait, wait, I, I, I got to make the salaries match here. Robert Covington. We'll, we'll no. take Roko back. We'll take Roko God. back. Uh, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, Russell Westbrook. So and we'll give you, we'll give the Clippers a pick for taking on Dame's <laughs> contract. It was so awful. She said, here you go. Here's Norman Powell, this really good player that's later going to light up the Lakers. Okay, um, so that's the the Damian Lillard trade. Uh, chat, I know you guys are sounding off here. No, wait, crap. Wrong thing. That's not what I want to pull up. Oh, this is I, what I, I want to pull up. Why, <laughs> why that's is, what I was just on, too. Why is Travis so – here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know we, either, we, Adam. This, this, is, this is every year. This I'm is cool every year, though. Anytime I bring up anything that's – just hey, this is what you don't want to see. People say, "Why is Trevor scared? Why is Tre- why is Trevor worried or, or whatever?" No, I'm not worried. I'm not scared. It's not like the Lakers couldn't beat the Clippers. I'm just saying that's not the ideal outcome, Hater. and that's the way that I approach things. I look at things and I say, "Okay, what's the floor? Like, what's the worst case scenario? What are we looking to avoid? And then what do we want to see actually happen?" Right, and, and that's I look at a lot of different ways of of life that way. You guys hear me break down contracts like that when Patrick Beverly is throwing his ridiculousness out there, saying that he told Jared Vanderbilt not to sign the deal with the Lakers because he, he thinks he's, that. he told him that. Patrick Beverly said, don't sign with the Lakers. Said instead, wait till next summer when you're a free agent. You could get $60 million. What I do, though, is I look at what's the <laughs> downside. What's the downside? If he doesn't sign an extension with the Lakers right now, he doesn't take the $48 million, and he tries for 60 million. Hey, 60 million is more than 48 million. But what's your potential downside? If Jared Vanderbilt struggles to get minutes behind Rui Hachimura, behind Torian Prince or something, we'll talk about this a little bit more. If he suffers an injury, your downside is maybe you're a veteran minimum guy. Like that's the floor for Jared Vanderbilt if he if he gets hurt or something. And then you're going to be wishing that you took that $48 million. Your upside is you get $12 million more than what you get otherwise. Your downside is you lose $46 million. That's the Ask Dennis Schroeder how that went. So that's kind of how I look at things. What's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? What's your risk reward there? So when we're looking at stuff like, why is Trevor worried about Drew Holiday going to the Clippers? Not worried. I'm just saying that's the worst case outcome for the Lakers. Best case outcome is he goes and he winds up in like, Miami or something like that. And then then you've got another team that can beat the hell out of the Celtics all the way through in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. That's that's my that's my best case scenario. Look, now you've got the Bucks, you got the Heat. If Drew Holiday goes there, I want a bunch of teams to stack up against the Celtics in the East. You need uh this is this old saying, I think. I think it's a saying that like a, a room full of business people or whatever, right? You need like one pessimistic dude in there at all times. Like one dude to say, yeah, but like, what if this thing fails? You know, this you need a guy realist. Just, you need a, no, you need like a, just like a, not even a pessimist, but like, cause I think pessimist, like everything just that, yeah. sucks. Like, you're trying to, <laughs> a pessimist is everything is negative. You know, you're the, the Eeyore, the, right? No, a, I'm beautiful day out. Yeah. The sun, you know, we're the sun, <laughs> 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 like super drastic thing. 
All right. That's that's the the Lillard trade, though. That's where things are sitting right now. Uh, I do want to get into our into some of our chat questions, and then and then oh, I've been waiting for this, Sean. I've been waiting. Camp battles. Let's go. let's go. All right, let's get through some of our chat questions, though. We've got Gabriel said, "Any chance Valanciunas gets bought out?" I don't see it. I don't see it. New Orleans isn't buying him out. He's at like sixteen million. He wants an extension. He played great in the FIBA World Cup. Part of that to prove that he should get an extension. I could see the Pelicans saying, we don't feel comfortable giving you the extension, so we're going to trade you instead, but they're not going to buy him out and say, see, if they did, 15th roster spot, give it to him, minutes, all all that kind of stuff, but they're not going to do that. Yeah, no. I mean, please do. Well, wait, no. Uh, Yeah, yeah, do it, do it. (laughs) Matty James, do you think it would be worth a shot to see if the Bucks would be interested in AD and D'Lo for Giannis? Maybe a pick as well? The Bucks made this trade to appease Giannis and keep him. Giannis was making noise this whole summer about, you know, if we're not on the same page, winning championships and all that kind of stuff. The Bucks have done everything to prove to Giannis that he, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if like a week from now we hear Giannis signs his, his extension with the Bucks. I don't I don't think he's moving at all now. Also makes such uh, sense because you've seen the rumor about Drew wanting to retire at the end of this contract. What did you see yesterday? He said he wanted to retire a buck. A buck. Yesterday. Yeah. Oh man. It, but but yeah, I did Drew. I did not see the rumor though that he wanted to retire at the end of this contract. By the way, he has this year left on the contract and, next and year. player option next year. So two years and then he wants to retire. I think he said this with Team USA because this is like okay. fairly recent. When like okay. I remember this might have been after the championship, as a matter of fact, which again I think would line up with when he played for Team USA. Um, and yeah, like for Milwaukee, you extended your title window by at least a year because who knows, Dame's already dealing with injury concerns and things like that, but you for sure extended it by another year and you kept Giannis happy. And like Trevor said, who knows, you know, Giannis might sign the extension tomorrow. And now all of a sudden your championship window is extended by another couple of years because Giannis is locked up long-term. So, um, Yeah. All right, let's get into this one. Legend said, can D'Lo be a valuable asset if he plays well? Uh, yeah. yeah, he definitely can be. Uh, the Lakers removed his no-trade clause that he would have had this year. Done a two-year deal, but the second year is a player option. But sure, I mean, he's not. his contract is very movable. Uh, he could certainly be an asset if he plays well. Not that you're going to get a ton for a guy that's on a second-year player option, but um, I expect that regardless of what happened, regardless of how well D'Lo plays, he could play great, uh, which is what I'm hoping for. But we're going to hear D'Angelo Russell's name in trade rumors before the February trade deadline. It's just, we're, we're going, doesn't mean they're going to move him. Just that's a contract just to keep an eye on. Again, my ideal scenario is he plays great and they keep him and everything works out wonderfully and they sail off into the sunset. D'Lo spends the rest of his career with the Lakers because it fits perfectly. That's the, the best case scenario. But just, the way this world works, even if he's playing great, given his contract, you know you're going to hear his name ahead of the trade deadline in February. What are you talking about? Like when you say that we can't get nothing like crazy from, we're trading D'Lo for Luka Doncic at the trade deadline. Like get, <laughs> get over it, Trevor. Like it, it's happening. Uh, that's going to happen. That's that's definitely going to happen. Mission eighty six. Does Dame to the Bucks make them a favorite? 
a I, I think it does. I think it makes them a favorite. I don't know if it makes them the favorite, but they're it makes already, them a favorite. They're, they're already, already up there. a favorite. Yeah. Like they're one of the four teams for me that were a favorite in the first mm-hmm. place. What would I expect in a Lakers Bucks final speaking into existence? Well, for one, Damian Lillard always seems to go nuclear against the Lakers. So that would not be ideal from that, that perspective, but it would be epic. It would be absolutely epic if you got, you know, Chris Middleton and Giannis and Dame and our old friend Brooke Lopez going up against AD and LeBron and Austin and D'Lo, the Lakers. You got Rui, you got Vando, you got all this depth, all these different players to throw at these Bucks players. It could be a really, really good series, I think, between those two teams. It would be very exciting. That's my finals pick at this Is point. It? Um, yeah, like I said on a previous pod, I think it was the, the live show Monday. I feel really, really good about this Lakers team like I did about that title team in 2020. And, uh, yeah, so this will be a fun series. Uh, as a basketball fan, as a Laker fan, I'm going to be sweating the whole time because of the impending Dame 50-point road game yeah. three win or something like that. Or something Where he's just terrible. flipping in threes from half court. and Right. And that. you can't yeah. do anything about it. Maddie James said, Hayes and Wood will shine with Austin Reeves handling the ball. Yeah, I certainly think they they can. Um, I think they can. I think that uh, Austin handling the ball is a good spot to start from. I think that uh, either player can play well in pick and roll with with Austin Reeves. And I, I think the same is true, though, of LeBron. Same is true of D'Lo. But Austin does navigate the pick and roll really well, and I do expect to see those guys on the floor with him uh, a decent amount. Christian Wood more than... Than Jackson Hayes. I think Hayes is going to have to kind of prove himself, but um, Christian Wood definitely is going to get those opportunities. I think he is ahead of or will be ahead of Jackson Hayes in the pecking order. Go check out our rotation builder and we explain more in depth about that. That's right. That's that was fun. fun talking about that. Yeah, that was. That was a good time. Uh, this one said, Can't wait for the season to start, but this is LeBron and AD's last dance. LeBron's last dance. Uh, we have and, the pieces even, in place. LeBron and AD have to show we can count on them to the end. If we fail, time to move on. Hope we get Drew. How do you move on? Like, let's I'm, say the Lakers, let's say they they get to the Western Conference semifinals and lose. How do you move on, though? Like, are you telling LeBron, hey, we're done? He's got a player option. If he picks up his player option, are you saying, okay, we're trading you? Are you trading AD? Do you want to be the team that trades LeBron James? No, you're not. I, that's just it. I don't think you're doing that. Now, it's possible LeBron says, hey, Bronny just got drafted by the Orlando Magic, so I'm going to go play with them. That's possible. Yeah. but And you just paid Anthony Davis. Yeah. I, I'm not looking at this. This could wind up being the last dance for these guys. LeBron could decide I've got one year left, and I'm done. He could. We're at that phase of his career where that's possible. But I, I, we haven't heard anything official about that. Any indication that that's going to be the case? It's possible, but I don't think if these two don't get it done this year, the Lakers are just going to say, well, throw our, throw our hands up, blow this thing up, and let's start rebuilding. I don't think that's going to be the case. Mike makes a great point. If Bronny gets drafted by Orlando, that might be the one team where Bronny's just like, you know what? <laughs> Screw it. Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to play with you that badly, son. Not that bad. That's that's possible. 
Um, okay. Let's see. We've got not thrilled. Oh, compartment of direction said not thrilled about seeing AD catching passes at the break. Didn't work well last season. Where'd his jumper go? Can't wait to see improvements. Catching passes at the break. Like above the break, maybe is what they're above the break. That must be what it what he's talking about. Yeah. Um about the jumper. I do think part of it is like he's added on weight. So maybe he's lost some of the foot speed and like the ability to create separation, like we saw Anthony Davis be able to do that first year. But also let's kind of like put it to some perspective here. That run he had in the bubble was like ridiculous to where mm-hmm. kind of Rui asked him like in terms of Rui's three-point shooting it's like stupid hard to expect that it'd be sustainable for consecutive seasons right um I I think Anthony Davis playing with Christian Wood I think it's gonna be mutually beneficial I think to both guys and again I think you're talking to two of the more optimistic people about the Anthony Davis Christian Wood pairing um, but I mean, I don't really want to see AD shooting a ton of threes. If you're naked open with six seconds left, go ahead. But I think back then, if it was 12 on the shot and AD felt in rhythm, he wanted to take the shot. Cool. Now at this stage and with the current pieces on the Lakers, 12 seconds, AD in rhythm three or swinging one more, go chase into a ball screen. Yeah, I prefer just swinging one more to like Austin in the corner and then mm-hmm. go chase to a ball screen, something like that. But um, 80's great, and he just does, he's just not the sub-creator he once was. Yeah. Yeah, that's – and I, I do think Austin's comments about 80 shooting better from, from the three – or from uh, from outside, that's uh, – it's a positive, but – Working on shooting, shooting well in shooting drills and shooting well in games is a different thing. So we'll have to see. You know. There was that clip uh, before the start of last season. It's, there's one actually now even of Russell Westbrook hitting like 20 oh, threes in a row. Oh, yeah, sure. You, you get clips of Ben Simmons hitting threes. You get clips of uh, of all kinds of different things like that. Like Dwight Howard can shoot threes too, yeah. right, in, in practice. Rudy Gobert apparently. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into, I do have some more questions to get through, but I do want to get into our training camp battles. We'll get back to the questions in just a minute. But first, let's take a quick pause to give a shout out to our sponsor, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. You guys know me. I tend to stress about things. And buying tickets is certainly one of them. I'm always worried about whether or not I'm actually getting the best deal. And with Game Time, I don't have to worry about that because they have the lowest price guarantee. They even have event cancellation protection so if there's some freak weather or something like that that happens well an event gets canceled you don't have to worry about that you have protection there from game time it's super simple super easy tickets get sent directly to your phone you don't even have to dig through your email or anything like that so all you have to do is download the game time app create an account and use the code lakers nation for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code lakers nation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Man, I'm All right. get, getting me Bengals tickets. They play Seattle in a couple of weeks. Like, oh, not the game time. Oh, that would be a good one. That'd be a good one to go check I out. Mean, Burrow remembers how to throw a freaking football, maybe. <laughs> well, he's got to get his calf right. That's, yeah. that's part of it. That's part of it. Okay. So, Sean, let's get into. 
our training camp battles. And again, we'll get back to the questions in just a moment. But we went 8-bit here for our training camp battles, a little preview. We're going to kick things off with D'Angelo Russell against Gabe Vincent. John probably doesn't remember when video game loading screens looked like that when you're playing fighting games and things of that nature. But Gabe Vincent, D'Angelo Russell for the starting point guard job for the Lakers. Austin Reeves, it's a lock. He's going to start a shooting guard. Sean, can Gabe Vincent convince Darvin Ham to hand him the starting job over D'Angelo Russell? I outlined this in a previous pod, but this is the only way I personally see Gabe Vincent, you know, somehow being the starting point guard opening night. Gabe Vincent balls to heck. All these things have to happen. Gabe Vincent balls the heck out in LeBron's minicamp. That is it. Is that over yet? Or is it still going on? It's over. That's it's over. over. Okay. Yeah. He balled out in, in LeBron's minicamp. Okay. That has to have happened. He, he balls the heck out in training camp Mm -hmm. he balls the heck out in preseason all while all those things are happening d'angelo russell just lays the biggest stinker ever and doesn't care about basketball anymore i really just don't think game one that d'angelo russell's not the starting point or he he gets hurt knock on wood but i really think this is d'angelo russell's job to lose like the epitome of this is your job unless you just say I don't want to work here. Like you just put your two weeks in or something. Say you can have my job. You'd have to fumble on the one essentially to, to lose it is what you're getting at. You have to blow. uh, What was that? The Colts lead last year. Was it 33 to to Uh, nothing lead like that? That's what you have to do in in a half in a half to, to make it even worse. You'd have to, you'd have to throw the ball instead of just handing it off to beast mode. Yeah. Is what you say. (laughs) Um, so this is that Super Bowls you from years and years ago, but only like look, a decade. Yeah, that's uh, about right. About right. Nine so, years. like here, I've got a comment. It said Vincent is a better shooter. That's false. That's that's not what the numbers say. DeAndre Russell <laughs> was 40, 40 plus percent from three. Now Gabe Vincent shot better in the playoffs than DeAndre Russell did. In the playoffs, he shot like thirty seven percent from deep. D'Lo obviously shot extremely poorly in that Denver series. But when I'm sizing these two guys up, I think. The advantages Vincent has over D'Angelo Russell, one of them has got to be defense. And that's not to say Gabe Vincent is a great defensive player, but he's just feistier. He's a little bit tougher. I think he's going to fight through screens more. I feel more comfortable putting Gabe Vincent on a point guard than D'Angelo Russell and believing that Vincent has an opportunity to, to, or has a chance at staying in front of that player. Yeah, and to go back to the shooting point, I've been kind of talking about how I think D'Lo kind of underperformed shooting wise. And like you said, he still shot 40 ish percent, uh, 41 percent. I think he would be more exact in the regular season. I don't uh, remember the playoff number off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, the, the shooting thing is just far from the truth. D'Lo is the better scorer. He's the better passer. He's our playmaker rather. And I guess I'm like the biggest D'Lo hater and think he's a terrible playmaker. If you let Twitter tell you, uh, and he's a he's the better shooter by a lot. Like, yeah, D- this is Delo's job to lose. 
I agree. I think it is D'Angelo Russell's job to lose. Um, D'Lo is the better shooter. D'Lo is the better playmaker, as you said. Gabe Vincent, though, could we see at some point, if, if D'Lo goes through a shooting slump, uh-uh. that's how Gabe Vincent could get into that starting lineup. Um, Not in a could we season. see Vincent win the closing job, though? Yeah, because I think we talked about this the entire time with every rotation build. It's probably going to come down to who plays better that game for a lot of these games at who's our uh, matchup because uh, Comet <laughs> says we don't have to argue who's going to be starting point guard because Hamill uh, started Gabe, D'Lo, and Reeves. I I will <laughs> He's going to start all the guards. <laughs> jump off the Darvin Ham uh, bandwagon if we ever see a three-guard line. Like, there's just no need for it this year. <laughs> And by three guards, I mean those three. Like, if Max yeah. is the three, then I guess there's worse things. All right. So, I'm in agreement. I think D'Lo wins this battle between uh, himself and Gabe Vincent. But I think Gabe can push him a bit for, for some minutes. I mean, look, there was a point in the Denver series where where um, Ham finally said, okay, D'Lo's coming off the bench. And, and he benched him for the second half of games and everything. But that was a pretty extreme situation there i thought with the denver series and that's not what we saw the majority of time that Dilo was with the lakers all right we've got another analyst coming in my guy mark gunnels mark hey. how you doing i'm good man how what's up sean get this cheese fan off my screen what is wrong with you trevor we are beefing <laughs> right now for the next 20 weeks of the year i'm joking what's up bro what's good man how you guys Wait. doing Really quick, Trevor, I have to tell you this story. I'll be super quick. Yeah. Uh, after we the Chargers lost week two because of our head coach being an idiot, Mark, I think, texted me the next day and be like, hey, are, is something along the lines, lines of, are you guys extending Brandon Staley yet? Like, I, I need him to be in the division as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, I like giving um, Sean a hard time about his Chargers. Sorry, I know we got a lot of – probably, well, ain't that many Chargers fans in L.A., but uh, never mind. Really? Yeah, okay. it's true it's true yeah it's true um all right so mark we are right now in the middle of our uh training camp battles we just discussed d'angelo russell against gabe vincent and let's go to the next one again we're going eight bit here fighting game style Max Christie versus Cam Reddish for the backup two guard role. The Lakers, they look Lonnie Walker signed with the Nets for a minimum. Malik Beasley signed with the Bucks for a minimum. The Lakers really wanted the back. Maybe they could have had him. Although, honestly, I look at this roster and I think, who would you take off this team in order to put those guys on? I don't know. But the Lakers said, we've got Max, we've got Cam. That's enough. Max is only in his second year, starting his second year. He's 20 years old, tore it up in summer league. Cam Reddish, lottery pick, 24 years old. Who is it that gets the minutes? And I guess before we land at a conclusion here, what does each guy bring to the table? Let's let's start there. And let's start with Cam Reddish. Sean, what's something that Cam Reddish brings to the table? Maybe that, that Max doesn't bring. He's definitely a better like self-creator and just self-generator of baskets that can finish at the rim really well. 
create for himself, like I said, from the perimeter. Um, that, that, that's definitely I say I can give Cam Rush the edge over. Just bucket getter in general. Yeah. He is. And does the experience matter here? Like, no. I mean, we saw Max Christie play in 42 games last season and mostly just garbage time blowouts. Cam Reddish has started for teams in the NBA. No, he hasn't had a ton of success, but he's got a lot more NBA experience than Max Christie does uh, on this team. Mark, should that matter? On this team, I don't think it matters considering Cam Reddish is still the new guy here. While Max Christie, I get he hasn't played that much in the big leagues, right? But he still has been under the Lakers umbrella here for a couple years, obviously playing in the summer league. Uh, I do think that matters. Um, you know, you've had guys advocate for him. That's already in-house. Uh, I think we're really excited from what we saw from him in the summer league this year, right? He looked a lot more mature versus compared to last last year. So I think um, – that definitely plays a part. But yeah, I don't think the experience in this case really matters when you're talking about a guy in cameras that hasn't really played like consistently, right? Like that's the thing with him is always, he hasn't been in the great situation. He needs to get more minutes, blah, 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 blah. So I don't think it really matters here. The the people that like are super behind cameras to, to Mark's point, they can only, and I get it, it is, on a very big stage, I get it, right? But it's from a four-game sample size, really only referring to one game, and this was three years ago, talking about game six of the 2020-2021 Eastern Conference Finals, like, against when he was in Atlanta. Three years ago, it was what really one game. He had uh, 21 points in that game six, mm-hmm. and that's that's the game that, and I'm not trying to hate on Cam Reddish, but that's the game that, Every single time is, oh, man, look at Cam Reddish. Like, he – what has Max Christie done? Cam Reddish did this in game six. Okay, cool. He has done nothing since. Like, like let's let's be for real, right? And, yeah, like, he's had – yeah, like Mark said, it needs to be a better situation or whatever. Okay, cool. He's kind of in the Christian Wood bag where it's – if it's not here, it's, it's, it's slow. It's rough for you. It's not going to work here, rather. So – Cam has the height advantage. He's six seven, six eight. Max Christie six five, six six. So you've got. The, I mean, that's a like if you have Cam Reddish out there at the two. And again, we're talking about the reserves here. So if it's Gabe Vincent, say, and Cam Reddish, and then what? Maybe it's Torian Prince. Maybe it's Bando. Maybe it's it's Christian. Wood. Like that's a pretty big group to have out there. If you've got a six seven, six eight two guard out there. I also go back to what is it that you need? What's the what are the areas that you really want out of this position, out of this role? I want three-point shooting and I want defense. And I think I checked both of those boxes in the favor of Max Christie. Now, defense, maybe because of the length, because of the size, it's close with Cam. But I think in terms of fundamentals, I think Max Christie's actually the better defensive player. So I I check both those boxes for Christie. If, it, if that doesn't end up being the case, because I think there's no question that Max is the better shooter between the two. Cam shot 32% from three for his career. Max, again, small sample size, but we've got evidence to suggest he's a 38 to 40-ish percent three-point shooter, somewhere in that range. So Cam Reddish, I think, has to be a significantly better defender than Max Christie to, to really win the job. And maybe we get there. 
But in terms of the three-point shooter, I think Max wins that category fairly handily. Yeah, and we mentioned the size factor. I don't think that really means anything when it comes to the two position. Like, because Cam plays most of his career at forward. And from my two, I want a guy that's more, I guess you could say, lower to the ground. He's able to run off and chase guys running around, running off screens. And I think Max fits that mode a lot better than Cam does. Yeah, and, well, for sure. And I, I think the thing with um, with with Max, right, I think the shooting, okay, Max Christie is a 31% three-point shooter next season, then it's, it's Cam Reddish, right? But I'm fairly confident that Max Christie is going to be a really, really good shooter because I, I love the shot, love the mechanics and the form coming out of college. He had a rough summer league last year, as we all recall, but it was more getting – getting reps, getting live game reps. He was great for the Lakers in, during the regular season last year in limited minutes, uh, only played in 42 games, averaged around 12 minutes a game, I believe. Um, and then uh, this year in summer league, the shot looks great again, but he added some of the secondary playmaking, like not even playmaking, but like secondary, I can, you know, two dribble pull up off of it to, or get all the way to the rim off of it or be able to make the baseline corner skip pass to kind of keep the offense going. And somebody said this in the chat, but Max Christie is the perfect, like, archetype of a role player to pair next to LeBron James. Dude that could shoot between 37 and 40% from three, That can that's athletic, that can finish, play defense, be that point of attack, you know, chaser around ball screens and things of that nature, instinctive defensively, like – Max is, I think, another guy where it's probably his job to lose for the backup spot, but Cam can still get minutes. I just don't know if it'll be as the backup too, um, because I think they also got to see what Max Christie is for reasons that I don't want to get irritated about. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think they need to find out what they've got in Max Christie, but you know, because they do have to pay him next summer, right? That's that's the reality, right? He's that's, going to yeah. be a, be a free agent next summer, but so is Cam Reddish. Um, he'll be a free agent again next summer as well. He'll have a player option, but I think Reddish's ability to get to the rim is something, but you're right mm. in that which player fits the archetype that's going to fit best with LeBron with AD. I think it's max. Um, I, I think good. If I had to pick a winner of this training camp battle, I think it's going to be max Christie, but you know what? There's a reason why people were very high on cam Reddish. Coming into the NBA, he was a lottery pick for a reason. I think Max Christie would have been a lottery pick had he waited one more year to come out. He came out a little bit early. But still, if Cam Reddish puts it all together and ever and reaches his potential this year, and again, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Right? It, it's, it has to happen. Yeah, it has to. <laughs> if that happens, then all bets are off. Right? But... Outside, outside of that happening, something that we're not, we wouldn't predict happening. I think Max Christie wins this. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations, and you mentioned it with Cam Reddish reaching his potential. He has the higher ceiling, but Max definitely has the higher floor by a lot. I, I think, I think that's the best way to, to put it. And I don't, I don't even think that Christie's ceiling is that low either. Like, I'm not I saying no. I don't know. No, I'm and, not I, and I know. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. Like, 
like Cam probably has the higher ceiling, but Christie also has it decently. Like if he's his ability to put the ball on the floor and attack closeouts, if that if if any of that from summer league transfers into the regular season, his ceiling goes up considerably from the kind of traditional three and D player that we projected him to be when the Lakers first drafted him. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's why I think the preseason is going to be so fascinating for this team. This is why we're doing this right now, right? You have a lot of position battles that actually have merit to them. And, you know, you don't really get that from a lot of teams. And I think that's a testament to how deep this roster is and how talented it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So push comes to shove. Sean, uh, I just saw you change your name to poor Frank Vogel. Um, <laughs> Sean, did you, uh, you've got Max winning this. Yeah, I have Max winning. Mark? Yeah, I think we're going to have a sweep here. Okay. Yeah, I also have, have Max winning this. Now let's get into our final camp battle. And this is a fatal four way. Scheduled for one fall. That's right. <laughs> here we Scorpio go. Scorpio Sky involved? Is he involved in this? That would be fun, but he's not. Check it out. For the starting forward job for the Lakers, playing with Anthony Davis, playing with LeBron James, we've got Torian Prince, Christian Wood, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura. Sean, why are you so confused right now? Why is Torian Prince a 75? Oh, that's what you're coming. That's what you're making. Oh, that like, did I did did I pick the wrong place? Was I forgetting someone? Right, I thought you, I thought Trevor, I thought you had the wrong positions or something. That's what I thought too. <laughs> no, my, I, I'm sorry. I'm just sort of like, okay, Ruby's Ruby is definitely better. Is Torian Prince at seventy? Those are two K's ratings, right? I don't, I don't know. If that's what they what they used or not, but that could be. Two K's ratings suck. <laughs> 75 disrespectful to Torian Prince. Shout out Torian Prince. Give him some daggone love. Well, you would have him like a like an 80, 78, 77. Yeah, 77. high 70s. Okay. Yeah. All right. So of that of that group, those four players. Let's let's start here. Who would you eliminate? Rui, if you had to pick who's the first guy you would eliminate from that group to be a starter for the Lakers? Torian Prince, Rui, Vando, Christian Wood. Ironically, it's Torian Prince. <laughs> <laughs> so you would eliminate Torian Prince ahead of Christian Wood. Mark, who would you eliminate? I would actually say Christian Wood. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say Christian Wood. Yeah. All right. So, Sean, why would you eliminate Prince? And then, Mark, why would you eliminate Christian Wood? You want me to go first, Mark, or you got it? You can go ahead. You can go first. I just think that if you're you want to go more like versatility on the perimeter, more shooting, floor spacing, stuff like that. Torian's nice, but I think you can get more with that by going with like a Ruby or going with Christian Wood. And defensively, I think you might weirdly be better if you went with like a Christian Wood or like a Ruby defensively. Torian's fine, but Torian's a lot better as a helper. To me, like he gets to kind of hide on the second worst offensive player or something along those lines. But you ideally would like Braun to do that and where LeBron mm -hmm. gets to be this like rangy free safety. And then D'Lo is, you know, probably not going to be guarding the best matchup. And you already have 
such a heavy load on on Austin Reeves defensively, especially in this lineup where Austin is guarding the best perimeter defender likely to if we're going to try to maximize everybody's defensive capabilities with this group. So for me, Torian Prince will be the, the first guy that I take off personally. Yeah, I think the reason I'm going to say Christian Wood is because really it's the process of elimination. Like I actually kind of like all these guys, and I think you can make an argument for all these guys starting. I think with Christian Wood, though, for me, they're obviously, you know, we came in with these questions still about is he is he motivated? You know, you've had those questions before. Is he can he get better defensively? Things of that nature in Dallas and then his other stops like Houston. I just think at least the start the season. Now this can change. I think this spot will change. And me and Trevor, we talked about this before. I think this will this won't be a position where you see the same guy starting like all 82 games, whether they were healthy or not. So I'm just saying, just to start the season, I feel like with Torian Prince. And I'm not even saying him, but just somebody other than Christian Wood. I think you get more, how should I say this, stability in a sense. Because I think with Christian Wood, you want to just kind of slow play him in right now. I don't, I, I'm, I'm kind of scared to just give him the starting role immediately because sure. I, I want him to kind of feel like he has to earn it, right? Because we've heard all the praise and, you know, about his talent. And me and Trevor, we talked about it earlier, right? Like if you give him that starting job right now, is it kind of like you're just handing it to him? And do, mm-hmm. do you kind of have a, a, a conflict there potentially? You know, instead of like saying, okay, you're coming to this team. We've already had a championship experience, went to the Western Conference Finals, right? And we know your, your history. We kind of want to see you in training camp. We want to see you in preseason, come off the bench and be a, t- a willing teammate to come off the bench, right? A hum- humility thing. That's kind of what it is more for me. It's more about a humility thing. And more than talent for me. I think you bring up a good point there. And it, it reminds me of something that I heard last year. And that's that when the Lakers made the trade at the, at the deadline, when they, um, when they added in Beasley, when they added Dela, when they added Bando and all three of those guys came in and got handed starting jobs. It was a problem within the team from, from what I've heard, that was an issue. Again, it didn't wasn't like an overwhelming thing, obviously, right? The team, they went on a winning streak. Everything went well and, and all of that. But it was an issue. There were some guys who were not happy that three new guys coming in instantly got given starting jobs over guys who had been there and, and had been fighting all season. Um, that effect, even though it's a new season, that could apply to both Christian Wood and Torian Prince. If we're talking about the competitions between Vando, who was there last year, Rui, who was there last year, and then Wood and Prince, who were not, that, that maybe that's something there in terms of that might ruffle some feathers if suddenly it's, you know, Prince that gets the job, or I mean, or or if it's Christian Wood. I also think the problem with Christian Wood starting, and I like the idea of AD next to Christian Wood. I want to see that pairing. I want to see what that looks like. You also have the problem of if you start Christian Wood. LeBron has to play the three, which means he's chasing around small forwards. I think LeBron is a power forward now, closer to even being a five than he is a three at this point. I don't like that. So because of that dynamic too, I would also eliminate, I, and honestly, I think I would eliminate both guys, Christian Wood and Torian Prince from the running here. Torian Prince I like, but again, uh, I, I think the other guys, Rui and Vando, I, I give them the edge. I like Torian Prince's ability to shoot the three, but defensively, 
give the edge to the other guys first. So I'd take both those guys out of the mix. Uh, and Wood probably has the highest ceiling of that uh, of those two players, of him and, and Prince. But again, I don't like pushing LeBron to the three. Mark, are you, who, who's your second guy you're taking out? The second guy I'm taking out uh, is Torian Prince. Okay. okay. Yeah, I agree with Trevor. I think it comes down to the guys that have already been here. Rui or Vando. All right. So new guys, Christian Wood, Torian Prince. Sorry, you guys are coming off the bench. We love well, you. Let's, let's speak, for, I speak for yourself. I, oh, so you, oh, you disagree? I disagree. All right. Who, I, who, who are you eliminating then? I think this – I feel the most, like, safe and comfortable with this dude, but I prefer him in a certain role – so I'm eliminating Rui Hachimura personally. Um, oh, ahead of who? So you've got so Christian Wood you're keeping in and Vando. It's and more Vando, so okay. like I, I have Ooh. this vision defensively of how versatile you can get with Christian Wood defensively next to Anthony Davis. And I hear your concerns about LeBron, right? I hear okay. your concerns about that, but I'm not. I'm still not quite that worried especially if you get super versatile like I think you can by having Christian Wood and Anthony Davis play on the floor together, right? Now, that's not who I think my ultimate pick – I know that's not what my ultimate pick is going to be personally, right. right? But highest upside, it keeps AD happy um, by throwing another big out there with them. I personally like don't – Unless I hear something personally, like from somebody within like the team or something, I'm not gonna question is like anything about him personally. Um, I don't know. That's kind of just how I operate. But I'm gonna give him a shot, and I think having Rui Hachimura off the bench, where <laughs> a lot of people are angry, where he gets to be this microwaveable score six man. Um, I think that's a, the best role for Rui, but I think. I know where Trevor's mind is at. Unless Mark is going elsewhere, we're all going to end up with the same dude anyway. So, Mark, who, who's your who's your uh, your final dude? Like, who's the who's your starter? It's Rui. Your starter's Rui. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Never mind. I'll let you speak for yourself. I yeah. 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 See how see how it happens. The tables turn. Right. <laughs> Table turn. <laughs> My how the turntables have. Yeah. yeah but, but no, I, I think I don't think it's right or fair that we relegate Rui to, oh, you're just a six-man score off the bench. Like, I don't think we're at that point in his career where we can say that confidently. This guy was a former lottery pick. He was in a terrible situation in Washington. He came here and instantly became, like, the third-best scorer in the playoffs. I mean, for most of it, right? And I think he has defensive potential to even get better at his size. And he got a little slimmer, right? That was one thing we were concerned about, his fluidity, uh, running off screens and, you know, not being super robotic in his movements. He's worked on his body. I think he's ready to completely take off this year, and I don't think we should relegate him to a bench role. I think he should be the starter based off of what he did last year, and I think the potential he has, obviously, offensively, he's much better than Vando. It's not even an argument. And I think, obviously, Vando's better defensively, but I think Rui can be still a plus defensively and not a negative so that's why i think Rui should be the choice here as a starter really quick trevor if you don't mind i just want to ask two follow-up questions to mark by the way i have nothing negative to say about about Rui. i really don't so i don't mind it i just have two quick follow-up questions you're facing the phoenix suns right okay Okay. and Rui hachimura is starting 
Okay. It, do you confidently feel that Rui can be the guy to throw out on a Kevin Durant or throw out on a Devin Booker? Well, first of all, I don't think there's too many people in the world that I would feel too confident about throwing out on right, Kevin right, right. Or, there's not. Are, are, are you? Are you? Are you saying that Vandal's one of those guys that you feel? I say, or, or Devin Booker, or Devin Booker. All right. Okay. Um. I mean, I'll probably lean more on him on Devin Booker, considering the fact that he did lose that that weight. I think he'll be more agile and able to run around with Booker, while Kevin Durant's more stationary in a sense, but he's like seven foot, right? So he can just rise over you. Anybody. So I don't think no matter who you put on Kevin Durant, it really doesn't matter. But I would rather have probably LeBron on him for most of the time, right? Because Kevin Durant, this is the thing. He's not a guy that's going to run around and tire you out. He's not like a Steph Curry or something like that. Like, I think KD, I mean, I think LeBron on him is fine. I really do. Like, in this stage of his career, Kevin Durant doesn't have that first step anymore. He's not blowing people off the dribble like he used to. He's more of a jump shooter now. So I think you can get away with having LeBron on him and not being worried about him tiring himself out anymore. But I, I do think I, – I, I would feel pretty good with Rui on Devin Booker. Actually, I really would. Okay. I saw, I have concerns about it, but for the for the point of the – you know, getting the question over with so we don't – we're not here for five hours. Uh, and also, yes, almost at 2K. Make sure you guys like hit, the hit video. Hit that like button. Hit the like. Um, okay. Mark, what is the best – what do you think is the best role or best – situation yeah best role for jerry vanderbilt the best role well obviously my scenario haven't come off the bench um but i think here's the thing he's a guy that's gonna play i want him to play starter minutes like just because i don't want you to start doesn't mean i, I don't think you're oh, what, what starter minutes are we talking about 30 um mid 20s to high 20s 25 28 ish a night and when you come, he's going to come in early. He's going to be probably the first guy I bring in off the bench, like to bring in around that six minute mark to disturb uh, your best guy, get cause some havoc and things of that nature. I mean, I get the argument. I'm not saying if you start him, I know, Sean, you're trying to, you're trying to push me to your side so bad. It's, it's I a lot of minutes for Vando. I, well, do you, you want to start him, right? Yeah. I, I guess we're kind of the opposite. I'm just saying, like, I think, Start Bando, but he plays in air quotes bench minutes to where his is like 20 minutes, but Rui gets the bulk of the minutes. Where Rui gets he's the guy that okay. gets closer to 30. Okay. So we're saying okay, we're saying the same thing. So your line of thinking is I get it. You want him in to start the game so he can throw off your best player's rhythm to start the game. Sure. So he's not, your best player's not getting hot early and just on. Put him with the playmakers, and put him with Braun, put him with Austin, I get it. put him with D I guess for me, it's just more of a a title thing in a sense, because we know guys like to be a starter. Like that really means something to guys. And I just think Rui is one of those. I think Rui is one of those guys that should be a starter. So it's for me, it's it's basketball reasons, but it's also like I think Rui is just more than a six man. So those I are think two, those are rewarded. two words that bring back bad memories. What what is that? What? Basketball reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! Trevor's getting David PTSD. Stern. Trevor, um, you gotta, you gotta break the, 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 the tie here. I guess we're having. Yeah. So, so look, when I, I look at these guys, and I agree, I think it comes down to Rui and Vando. I, I'm not going with Christian Wood. I, I know Sean has Christian Wood in the mix. I, I, it's the LeBron thing. That's why I'm not going with him. Um, <clears throat> Torian Prince, great signing at four and a half million dollars. 
I don't think he's he's in the mix though either. It comes down to Rui or Vando. And here's the reason why I am going to go Rui. And I think there's some there's <laughs> arguments to be made for Jared Vanderbilt. And if he winds up getting the job, he gets the job. The money side of it, which I talked about over the summer, is no longer on the side of Rui. Um, they're close enough to where that's, you know, whatever. You know, Rui was going to be making 16 million or so and Vando was going to be making four. And I said, well, the money says that it should be Rui. But the reason why I think you go with, with Rui is part of this is because of Christian Wood. Because if Christian Wood is not starting and he's coming off of the bench, what does he do best? His best attribute. It's his ability to score the basketball. That means that if Rui is coming off the bench, if we're looking at him as a bench scorer, well, you've already kind of checked that box with Christian Wood being in that lineup. So when I look at the pairings, I think Jared Vanderbilt actually works pretty well with Christian Wood as kind of a, a guy who's going to do everything else but score the ball a lot. And Christian Wood is going to sort of kind of fill that void by scoring the basketball. And then Rui with Still 6'8", still has a 7'3 wingspan. I liked what we saw out of him as a weak side rim protector. Not that I would consider him to be some crazy shot blocker or anything like that, but I liked what the improvements we saw defensively from him, especially late in the season and into the postseason. I think that would serve himself fairly well. The downside being that by putting in Rui, you don't have Vando to stick on a high-scoring guard. You're asking Austin and D'Lo to defend those guys. Again, there's no perfect answer here. The perfect answer would be to somehow combine Frankenstein, Rui, and Vando into one player. Give me, player. give me in one player. Give me Vando's defense and Rui's offense and mold them together and, and have that somehow exist. Um, Rui Vandemura or something like that. I don't know what how, what you, how we would put the names together. But, but I'm going to lean Rui Hachimura because I think he is the more well-rounded player between the two. Maybe Vando's three-point shot comes along, fingers crossed. But right now, I think Rui's defense grew at a higher rate than Vando's offense. So that's where I'm going to go, Rui Hachimura. And because of the trickle-down effect into the bench lineup as well, I'll go Rui for the for the starting five right now and winning this spot. But I love that this is a... This is like, you can really go a lot of different ways with this. And I think it speaks to how good of a job the Lakers did adding wings this summer. Yeah. Yeah, and also to your bench point as well, you get some scoring juice from Gabe Vincent too, coming off the bench. True. True. Yep, you indeed do. Uh, Sean, so your ultimate decision would be Vando in the starting five, right? Yeah. Okay. Which you could still make that argument. Like, I mean, we saw him in the starting five for a good chunk of last year, and it and it worked out fairly well. And he does do all the dirty work that LeBron and AD don't want to have to do and, and all of that. But isn't it great that you could pick either, like you could make an argument for any of these guys? Yeah, yeah legit you can start. make an argument yeah. for all four. I, and there's does, an argument for Torian Prince. Sure. And it doesn't change the way how I feel about this team no matter who starts. Like, yeah. I still yeah. think this team is... A top three, four team in the West. I'm yeah. going to after this show is done. I'll put a poll up on on uh, the YouTube channel in the in the community section um, on who should start between these four guys because this is I think an interesting one to break down. All right, before we get out of here, we do have a few more super chats that we're going to get into. I don't think I'll get through all of them. Any of them that I don't get through though. Uh, we'll add into tomorrow's show. 
we had Isle Farkash said, isn't Drew supposed to not be eligible for a trade for 60 days now that the trade is official? And then he's part of a package. Portland can wait for December 15th unless he is traded. He can't be aggregated into a trade. He can't be combined with other players. He could be Portland could trade him individually, just him. That's that's what they could do with uh with Drew Holiday. So that's why he could still be be traded. I completely disagree with this next comment. Trevor like at my core. A lot. At my core. Oh, never mind. Let your hate for the Celtics go. Hate the Clippers. Uh, why not both? Yeah, why did, why is there a cap on the hate? Just hate them both. There's enough hate to go around. Like we we don't discriminate. Everybody gets an equal dosage of hate. Well, these these two teams get an equal dosage of hate. I think it's the it's the old school nature. I mean, I mean, I grew up during the Showtime era, right? So I grew up it, like hating the Celtics. Just it's it's in my blood, right? The Clippers, because they've gone to such great lengths to be an annoyance to the Lakers in L.A. to take shots at the Lakers, all that kind of stuff. It that also comes easy. It's where I see Lakers fans that are saying, Oh, I hate the Suns now more than I hate the Celtics, saying things like that, or I hate Denver now. Like, all right, hey, we've got actually some semblance of a little rivalry kind of brewing with, with Denver. That's all right, that's gonna be fun for the NBA. It's why they're kicking off the season with Lakers, Denver, the Warriors, too. And all that, yeah, the, sure, the Warriors and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's the Celtics, man. Like, it. I just I can't do it. I can't say, oh, I hate the Suns more than the Celtics. No, it's the it's the look. Devin Booker may be maybe annoying at times and everything, but it's the Boston Celtics. It's this like that's a different level to me. Yeah, I mean, not even you know, obviously, me and Sean were not around during Showtime, but even in our lifetime, we saw the play Celtics twice in the finals, right? Kobe versus Paul Pierce, like KG Ray Allen, like yep. so we got a little taste of it as well. Mark's exposing my age over here. Sheesh, I'm 46 <laughs> with back problems. <laughs> with back problems. I like it. I like it. Hey, let me ask you guys this. Is it okay? Though? Like, I, I think you should hate the Celtics more than than the Suns or any, you know, any of these other teams. But is it okay, you think, at this point, for a Lakers fan to say, I hate the Clippers more than the Celtics? Is that acceptable? I, I think it's a, a, a generational thing, though. Like, let's say if you're a 16-year-old right yeah. now, you probably don't really hate the Celtics that much because you never really – you didn't even see Kobe and going against the Celtics in the finals if you're only 16 years old, right? Or you were, like, too young to remember. Yeah. Uh, you might – you're, like, too young to remember. You yeah. might not even got Braun in Miami. And if you did, you got Braun in Miami with D-Way with no knees. Like, that's the version of Miami yeah. Braun you got. Because I see a lot of – it's not even – I mean, I see the Clippers, obviously, but I, I see a lot more for younger Laker fans. They say they hate the Warriors the most. And that kind of makes sense because the Warriors have been the dominant team yeah. uh, for the last, what, 10 years or so. And they're in California as well. You know, the whole Bay Area versus the L.A. Ri city rivalry thing. So yeah. I, I kind of see that more for the younger generation of Laker fans, at least. Especially if you're super involved in social media, because like I... I mean, obviously, I, I do a lot of stuff online and, and a lot of stuff over on Twitter and, and all that kind of stuff. But even that being the case, until the Lakers played the Warriors in the playoffs, I didn't realize 
Like I had heard, oh, the Warriors fan base is awful and, and all this kind of stuff. I didn't realize the scope of it though. Like oh, yeah. how, Pretty. how, and it's I'm not impressive. talking about the number of fans. I'm talking about how ridiculous that those fans were during the playoffs Lakers versus Warriors. And there's people that will say that about Lakers fans, right? So I'm not, I know people say pot calling the kettle black and all that, but I, I know Lakers fans are legion and there, there's people who hate Lakers fans and all that, but wow, that fan base came across. And again, I'm not trying to, to paint with a broad, broad brush here. Keep I know going, there's, please. there's incredibly intelligent Warriors fans and all of there's great Warriors <laughs> fans that are out there, but in general, it was a very vocal fan base and also felt like a very young fan base that didn't have much of a frame of reference from that they're coming from other than just they're mad at the world and they're yelling at, at everything to the point where they were like taking so much joy in the Lakers losing to Denver in the next round. And I'm like, man, I didn't really, I didn't realize Warriors fans cared about the Lakers that much. Cause they didn't like the Lakers, and the Warriors hadn't been good at the same time. So it wasn't really like, I didn't well, care here, about the here, Warriors that much. Here's what it, and, and this is what it, there is rooted in too. Warriors fans, a lot of them are just Steph Curry fans for the yeah. most part. Like, honestly, like, I, I know there's real Warriors, Warriors fans out there, so I don't want them to come at me and be in my mentions. But a lot of them you see on social media are Steph Curry fans. And you have to realize the fact that LeBron is on the Lakers now and he had all those battles with the Warriors before he became a Laker. Yeah. They already had this built up hatred from 2016, the 3 1 lead. So now the fact that you combine him on the Lakers with the Laker brand in California, I think it just it just elevated that the hate to another level now because now you got the LeBron brand with the Laker brand together. Warrior fans, yeah. you guys can flood Mark Gunnels as mentioned at Mark A Gunnels <laughs> at Twitter. Uh, please flood his mentions right now. Sean, you know I'm right though. That's what it is. It's really the LeBron thing. That's, that's what it that's, is. That's a big part of it. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Somebody said something about Matt. Is there is there anything to the Steph being better than Magic debate? All right, and what I mean by anything is it at least a conversation? Well, Magic just responded. My buddy Zach Gelb uh, from CBS had Magic on his show, and Magic basically just rattled off reasons why he's better than Curry, and I agreed with all of them. Um, I think you can. I mean, Steph's great, but come on, it's Magic, like. It, you're trying too hard if you're a Warriors fan and you're trying to say that, that Curry's better than Magic. Come on. Magic's the greatest point guard of all time. There's no question. See, I shouldn't even have asked that question because now I'm about to get slandered. Uh, no, I, I'm totally with you. And Martin, Rod, not Mark, Rod made a really good point and when we were in Vegas. He was like, Magic probably has a top five prime of all time, but his kind of ranking fluctuates in how we view Magic it fluctuates because he didn't have the longevity of like a Kareem or a Kobe or a Braun sure. or any of these other guys. Cause he only played what 12 years, 13 years, but yeah. Tim Duncan, five, throw Tim Duncan in there too. Tim Duncan. Yeah. But five titles in 12 years, like it was, he was insane. Uh, yeah. He's the greatest, he's the greatest point guard, point guard of, all, of all time for sure. All right. Now that we've got enough angry warriors fans, that'll, that'll, Flutter mentions uh, Jobin. Jobin wasn't that a joke from that that movie? Uh, I love you, man. I think it was. Anyway, uh, record through thirty games. I'd be happy with twenty two and eight. 
I'd be pretty happy with that. Well, I mean, 30 games. Yeah, I would that's, say. That's really good. I mean, that's, you'd have to be happy with that. Uh, Phoenix takes the, the title for the most imbalanced team. Phoenix takes the title for the most overrated team. Oh, Sean hates the Suns. <laughs> I just hate overrated teams. Like the fact that they have the they have better championship odds than the Lakers is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Last time it's I checked, it. Lakers title odds were plus thirteen hundred. I am putting money on that. I should have yeah, been put money. I'm on actually going to put just you're down my alley right now talking about betting. I'm actually going to put in a ticket I saw today. If you put in a ticket for Lakers Bucks finals matchup, not who wins, just mm-hmm. just them going together, it's at plus two thousand. Woo! Hold on, Ooh. hold on, Let me. That's yeah. pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. So, Bandles, DraftKings, which one? Uh, I think either one. Yeah. My bad, so, Trevor. Here's what I want to mention here. When we talk about, like, we look at the first 10 guys. I threw out there on Twitter. What's their record going to be after the first 12 games, right? And this time of year, I've talked about a bunch. Optimism reigns, right? Everybody's super optimistic. But you got you to gotta really think about how difficult it is to win games in the NBA and then add in how difficult it's going to be to win games in this year's Western Conference. So going back to last year, going back to last So if you're talking about a... a, a the first 30 games, right? The Denver Nuggets, who were the one seed last year, had a 65%, and I'm rounding up to get their win percentage. They won 65% of their games. If you are talking about the first 30 games, if you have a 70% win win percentage, that means you've lost nine games because you're losing 30% of your games. That's nine losses. So you're talking about a win percentage through the first 30 games that is higher than the number one seed Denver Nuggets from last year who went on to win an NBA championship. I don't see that. Like, I know we all want to be gung-ho and the Lakers are going to run through everybody, but in terms of just being realistic, they're they're not going to have a 70% win rate. There's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be you know, bumps in the road that they're going to have to get through. There's going to be tough stretches. There are going to be stretches where they play really well. There's going to be stretches where LeBron sits out some games, AD sits out some games. I'm trying to be realistic with this team. And uh, yeah, I, I love to say they're just going to tear through everybody like a hot knife through butter, but uh, it's, I just don't think it's realistic to think that that's yeah. going to happen. Not in this year's West. I think without, without um, like super analyzing the first 30 games, just off the top of my head, I think a realistic expectation is like around 18 and 12. Yep. 19, 11 ish. I think that's fair to expect. Look, I don't really care a ton. Um, like if we're twenty-two and eight, that's awesome. I mean, like if you're below five hundred. I'm kind. I'm kind of worried, right? Um, but like I said, man, I, I I told Trevor this. I haven't talked to you about it, Mark, but I I have the same feeling I did for that title team. So they would have even if they went eighteen and twelve, right? That's the number we said. You just said, Mark. They'd have to show me something crazy to be like, okay, yeah, even though we're 18 and 12, we're like the four seed right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i going to drop off my my uh, my take that I think they can win a championship. No, like I really don't care because the West is insane. The NBA is insane where there's legitimately only two like horrendous teams in the NBA, maybe three, right? So there's 27 fairly competitive teams in the NBA. And fairly competitive is like the the bar, right? And everybody else is really good, great, elite, title, whatever, right? So 18 and 12, 
I'll take it. I'd be happy with that. 22 and eight is a dream is the dream or maybe even better. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. All right. We've got a few more questions that we're going to get to. We'll finish out the show with those. Uh, before we do though, need to give a shout out to one of our other sponsors. And that is NBA 2k mobile. It's the must play mobile game for basketball lovers who want to conquer the court online super easy on your mobile device to just pick pick it up and go start playing in an instant and super easy to learn how to play that's something that i really really enjoy about it about it you can immerse yourself in the ultimate basketball gaming experience on your mobile device dive into tournament mode events then you get regular updates for non-stop action showcase your skills climb the leaderboard become a basketball legend Download NBA 2K Mobile for free on the App Store or Google Play. Use our promo code TATUM2KMOBILE to redeem an exclusive Jason Tatum Pearl Tier card. That's code T-A-T-U-M-2-K-M-O-B-I-L-E. Future Laker, Jason Tatum. Future Laker. (laughs) All right, Sam through and just glad we finally have wing depth and endless arms good luck in fantasy this week oh sam thank you good good luck sam is in our fantasy league sean people are so angry with you for that that trade you made with matt the optimist i muted Um, i muted the group i I refuse to respond (laughs) people are asking in the chat when is sean gonna respond and explain himself for the for this trade but um yeah, best of luck to everybody in our, our LakersNation.com listener league. Uh, I believe I took a loss this last week. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. next show, I'm going to have to do an update on where our standings sit and all of that. Uh, that was a super James, weird week. What's that? That was a super weird week. You scored like 150, so I could get almost every other game you would have won. That's right. Just... Yeah, I just I just happened to play the team that scored more. Um, unfortunate. worst. That's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, James Bell said, I hate drinking Trevor Kool-Aid, but I don't feel as optimistic about us winning this year since the Dame trade. So, uh, yeah, like, do you think that the Bucks are so much better that now you lessen the Lakers' title odds? No. I mean, they got worse defensively. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I, they were already, like, if the Bucks, if the Bucks had traded, like, a bench player or something like, you know, if they weren't already really good and then they added Dame and they traded away like a sixth man and some draft capital or something. And they added in a starting point guard that they didn't have before. And they make yeah. this big leap up. Okay. The, the NBA shifted a ton. The bucks were already really good. And you, make, you can make an argument that you just lost one of the best defensive guards in the league and drew holiday. You're going to get way worse defensively with, with Dame in there, even though you get way better offensively. Is the net result a positive? Probably, but we'll see. So I don't I don't think this lessens the Lakers title odds that much here. Yeah, I had the Bucks before this trade, at least in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Like that was kind of the floor for me. Yeah. For them. Ooh, the floor. Yeah, I, I think they're better than yeah. I think the only team I'm not confident they're better than is Boston in the East. Before the trade. Before the never mind. Before the trade, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, German said, I personally think there's no need for D'Lo. I would rather have Austin at point guard and another 3 and D wing or guard to play the shooting guard. 
That's maybe an argument long-term for Max Christie at the two with Austin at the one. I think D'Lo is great and provides good offense, but his defensive struggles are going to be hard to hide. Uh, that is the challenge with D'Angelo Russell being in, in the lineup, but but um, maybe that's the way the Lakers go long-term is more of kind of a like a Danny Green type backcourt mate. There's that type of skill set, 3 and D, with Austin Reeves, but for now, D'Angelo Russell is going to be the guy. And I think that Russell's ability to create, like that's also asking a lot of Austin and or LeBron to create everything on offense. And D'Lo gives you a little bit of that creation. So there's some benefit to having him in there. But yes, there there are some defensive. There's no there's no denying there's defensive concerns with D'Lo in the mix. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you alluded to earlier, you're not going to have the perfect roster. There's going to be some type of flaws on it. But I, I think... We could have this discussion depending on how the season goes early on around the trade deadline. Is there a move out there to be made involving D'Angelo Russell? So, But, I mean, I think you have enough help behind him defensively to kind of mask it, especially in the regular yeah. season. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it right now. D'Lo for Kyrie at the deadline, right? I mean that doesn't help your change your defense, but no. But <laughs> I mean I've seen that a lot of a lot of fans of other teams are saying, "Well, Lakers are going to stack up D'Lo and Rui or somebody, and they're going to go get Kyrie once he uh, makes a mess in Dallas." All right, last one. Uh, German said, or German said, "You guys don't expect us to come out of the gates gunning like the 1920 season, 24 and three to start." Expect no. Hope, sure. Like twenty four and three is like absurd. Like yeah, expectation. That's almost never the expectation unless you're you have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Clay, and like depth on your team. Like that's never the expectation. I, I've said it a bunch on this show, but the nineteen twenty season is the outlier, and I felt like the Lakers almost got spoiled by that by how quickly everybody settled it in the, into their roles. That is not the norm. And we saw that happen in subsequent seasons where guys the Lakers brought in struggled to adapt and adjust because that's what happens. It takes time to learn your role and get and get adjusted to a new team and new faces and all of that. That team, the 1920 team, having a bunch of new guys coming together and everybody just instantly clicks, that's exceedingly rare. And it's why we, even at the time, I remember talking about this, how we had to enjoy what we were seeing from that team because it does not happen often. So if that's the expectation that they're going to come out 24 and three or something, it's just, it's setting too hard of a buy uh, of a bar. Again, like Sean said, if it happens great, I would love it. But I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. If that's the expectation. Yeah. Just listen to me guys. The first 30 games, I'm trying to give the most clear view here. 18 is the number. 18 and 12, 18 and 12. Yep. And if it's better than that, great. But I think that's the fair number to look at after the first 30 games, realistically. Can't disagree with that. Can't disagree with that. All right, everybody. Super size show today. We went way into overtime. I do have, I remember we have some stuff planned for tomorrow night's show. So that's why I wanted to make sure that I got through all of our super chats here on this one and not carry them over. Want to make sure we got through all of your questions. Thank you guys again for joining us here. Really loved going through the training camp battles. Remember, media day is Monday. Training camp kicks off the next day. The Lakers are in action. The next, I believe it's Saturday after that. We are now nine days 
nine days that we actually get to see the Lakers in action. Don't forget as well, coming up tomorrow, Thursday, we've got Rob Palenka, Darvin Ham, their presser. Going to be really interesting to see what they have to say. Uh, Daniel Starkan, editor extraordinaire, and I will break that down on tomorrow's pod, the pod that we're recording tomorrow anyway. That'll be out first thing Friday morning. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining. And uh, Mark and Sean, thank you guys for coming in. This was a blast. Absolutely. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say this as a Chiefs fan. Shout out to all the Swifties out there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've had a blast. I love Travis Kelsey as a Cincinnati dude. It's like, yeah. let's go, Travis Kelsey. Like, yeah, you kind of fumbled the bag, but <laughs> at least you uh, end up with the most popular person outside of Drake right now. <laughs> good way to end it good way to end it swifties welcome in if uh if any of you are coming over make sure you subscribe while you're at it (laughs) everybody see ya and stay safe everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.